Ultra. Hello and welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will uh, review and discuss the seminal 2007 comedy Hot Fuzz, but it is not this day. Uh, On this day, we talk about uh, The Last Boy Scout, the Tony Scott film. Uh, I'm Nick Jimenez. (laughs) I'm Scott Corelli. So yeah, so so we left this one up to the listeners. We had a a fan poll. We had a listener poll uh, on multiple platforms, right? We hit up Twitter. We hit up Facebook. And Patreon. And Patreon, and I'm not gonna lie, I I I was uh, I was honestly really surprised by the outcome of, uh, of 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 the poll of the results. Yeah, I I uh, I think what were the four that we put up? We put up um, Last Boy Scout, The Wicker Man, uh, what else? Uh, the French Connection. Right? Yeah, the French Connection. Yeah, and the um, there was one other one, uh, the Magnum Force. Yes. The uh, the uh, Dirty Harry sequel. Which I have not seen. Uh, I haven't seen that either. I have seen Dirty Harry, but I, I didn't see any of the other ones because everyone said it's a sort of a mm-hmm. law of diminishing returns. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I put up The Last Boy Scout because I just thought, well, we should, we should cover a Tony Scott film. Because I was just thinking about, like, what are all the references in Hot Fuzz? And while there's no direct reference to The Last Boy Scout specifically – uh, in Hot Fuzz, though, as it turns out, there may have been one in Shaun of the Dead that we never caught and we we're always confused by. Um, oh, interesting. And but now, but now I wonder if it was a Last Boy Scout reference this whole time and we were both wrong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, more on that later. Uh, okay, but there great. isn't any. There, there isn't any more. There, there isn't any like direct references to this movie in Hot Fuzz. But there are references to Tony Scott's. Uh, uh, directorial style, yeah, the yeah. style for sure, right? Um, specifically in the uh, paperwork scenes, those are um, riffs on uh, Tony Scott style, and uh, I haven't seen a great many Tony Scott films. I, I believe I was looking at his filmography, and before watching this, which I had never seen before, I had only seen two Tony Scott films, uh, one of which I hated. And one I really, really liked a lot when I saw it the one time I saw it on DVD, uh, which was um, Enemy of the State. Oh, uh, I don't, wow. But uh, yeah, but I don't know if I if I liked that movie. I mean, granted, I was 13 because I think it came out in 98. That's a great um, time to see Enemy of the State when you're 13. Yeah, yeah. Where you, you kind of feel like a big boy watching yeah, that movie because you're like, oh, you're like, oh this is- said the F word. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know if I actually liked that movie or if I just really liked Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, I liked that one and I hate Top Gun. Um, like a lot. Uh, wow, you've never seen you, 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 you haven't seen True Romance yet. No, no. I mean, you know, my feelings on Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that's true. Oh, man. I yeah. love it so much. It's, yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested if you ever feel like it. Uh, well, I it was it was between Last Boy Scout and oh oh uh, I absolutely and, and True Romance. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, don't I, I mean I I think True Romance has even less to do with Hot Fuzz than than Last Boy Scout does. I I just mean somewhere down the road, I'd be interested yeah, to see yeah. what your thoughts on True Romance are. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Well, put you know we've got that new dueling genre movie club. Maybe you yeah. could pick that for a hey, future. one. that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, more on that later, but um, yeah. So, Last Boy Scout. Um, yeah, so I I chose this one between the two because it seemed to be like more of a um, more buddy, of a buddy uh, two hander. Yeah, two hander buddy action movie kind of thing. Uh, just on the surface. Um, so I I went I went with that one in the poll, and it it sort of ran away like that and Wicker Man, which is what we'll be covering next month. 
uh, sort of ran away with the votes. Um, there was like, <laughs> there was like, I think we had like three votes total for, um, for uh, French Connection, like three, three or four votes total. And then like one for uh, Magnum Force. Yeah. Magnum Force but, sounds like a, like a, uh, like a fake movie. It does. It does. It sounds like a Drake um, and Josh, like a movie would have been playing at like where Drake and Josh worked. Yeah. To be fair, so does Hot Fuzz. That's very um, true. <laughs> or, or yeah. Um, yeah. And the last Boy Scout is, is uh, just a, gr- just a really, I mean, it, it is up there with like Lead the Weapon, Die Hard, where it's like. Well, I, yeah. ironically, uh, the yes, last Boy yes, Scout, not, not the original title, original title, you know, this movie is written by Shane Black. Uh, it broke the record for. Uh, the most ex- most expensive script ever written um, at the time. It sold for $1.75 million, which was like the highest screenplay sale of all time, uh, only to be beat a year later uh, by uh, Basic Instinct, which that script sold for $3 million. Um, but originally, the sc- when the script was uh, written and sold, it was sold under the title Die Hard. And uh, Joel Silver the producer of uh, the film that would become Die Hard asked if there was another name that Shane Black could call this script so that he could use the name Die Hard. And uh, he changed the name to The Last Boy Scout. Joel Silver changed the name of the movie that they were making into Die Hard. And the rest is history. Yeah. Die Hard was almost called Nothing Lasts Forever. Right. Right. Um, That would have been not as great. Well, it wouldn't have been, I've never liked the, like, I, you know, it's hard to separate yourself from the iconography, uh, but I've never liked the title Die Hard for Die Hard. It doesn't I guess really, it just, I guess it I almost, I guess Die Hard, <laughs> Die Hard almost becomes like a magic spell because yeah. you're right. Like those two words taken of any meaning or stripped of any context mean very little. But when people say Die Hard, they say it with such like emotion and like it just it just feels like what that movie is called now yeah it just becomes a title you know for sure and and it's like oh well that's the that's the label for that movie like that's <laughs> just yeah um but looking at this movie and especially especially the um the uh original script the little yes. bit that i know about the original script that i looked into uh, it seems that that title would have suited this film a lot better because mm-hmm. um, The Last Boy Scout is like, I don't know, kind of ironic. But then again, this whole movie is kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, yeah. I I really have a lot of – this is such a rich movie to talk about. Um, yeah. Which, again, yeah. Like, I mean, you look at this, the poster, and it, it, it does look like a fake movie. It's like an explosion, and it's Damon Wayans holding a football, and it's Bruce Willis holding a gun. Uh, and yet the movie is, it, it, it's so interesting. It came out in December of 1991. So very much, you know, like we were talking about point break. It is a movie that is technically a nineties movie, but it is still very much talking to an, an, an eighties America. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think this movie is kind of similar to bad boys too. It has a very cynical sense of humor. It has sometimes kind of a nasty sense of humor. But I think mm-hmm. unlike Bad Boys 2... I think um, it... I would argue it always has a nasty sense of humor. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. It is... Fair. It is... It is uh, aggressively misogynistic. Yes. Um, I've never... I don't know that I've ever seen a movie that hates women as much as this movie does. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you do some... You do some Wikipedia-level research and, uh, and the script was written... Uh, as as the as the as a kind of form of therapy after Shane Black ended a a two year after ending a relationship, right? Not a two year relationship, but yeah, two year break right. from writing. Yeah, yeah, I misspoke. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like ending a relationship <laughs> and the script. You know, this is kind of Shane Black's Pinkerton, uh, the original draft, the original thing that he wrote, and then of course right. this was the product of much mucho rewrites. Uh, there, there were a lot of yeah. you know, like Scott, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, to stop testosterone, male energy behind the camera, just as in front of the camera. There were a lot. Everyone of big- was at the at the top of their career, and it was that was the problem. It was like, 
you know, Bruce Willis was like the biggest movie star at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, Joel Silver was one of the biggest producers of the time. Uh, like Brookheimer was coming up right behind him, but like Joel Silver was at the top of his game and Brookheimer, you know, he hadn't, uh, he hadn't, uh, you know, sort of tackled everything yet. He was just getting going. Um, in the early nineties, you know, Mm -hmm. like he had a couple of hits in the eighties, but like nothing compared to Joel Silver. Um, and so Joel Silver was at the top of his game. Tony Scott was at the top of his game and, uh, Shane Black was at the top of his game. So you had like four dudes at the top of their game and, uh, they all want, were like fighting for control of this. And when you think about it, all kind of big dogs in the same mm-hmm. kind of pound where yep like they're they're all making the same kind of records you know it, right it's not like oh we'll take a guy from we'll take this we'll take this guy we'll take this guy it's like they are they were all making you know white american male escape fantasies on a level that no one had ever made them before and then <laughs> asking them all to make the same kind of you know what i mean yeah yeah it, it just you can kind of see the, the the train coming from that from that perspective Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Uh, so yeah, um, I think that it, it's interesting because Edgar Wright uh, loves this movie, but he talks about it in a way that is um, uh, some. Uh, uh, he talks about it in a way that all of the creators of the film, uh, Shane Black, Tony Scott, Joel Silver, they all are like, no, that's not what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but Edgar Wright uh, sort of considers this the scream of '80s action movies. Like he's like, yeah, no, it was really aware of itself, and it was it it was sort of like commenting on how ridiculous action movies were in the '80s and uh, and all of these things. And it it seems to stem from that final conversation between Joe and Jimmy at the end of the movie, right? Um, but. Uh, yeah, all of the creators of the film were like, that's not what we were doing. We were just trying to make a movie. Um, they weren't trying to comment on anything, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I I would I would venture a guess that that's true because, you know, we see what uh, Shane Black, what a Shane Black story commenting on action movie tropes looks like a few years later with last action hero. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just, just two short years. Yeah. The, the, from, from yeah. December of 91 to summer of 93. Right. So we know what that looks like and it doesn't look anything like this movie. Um, yeah. This, yeah. This, this movie feels very earnest to me. It does. It, it will, it, it er, earnest. It, it's so weird to, to say that it does feel like an earnest movie kind of wearing a very cynical coat. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you can be cynical and earnest. You just can't be optimistic and cynical at the same time. <laughs> this is this is very earnest. I, I think this is a very earnest film, and it is very, very cynical uh, and, and dark. And it could have been darker, way darker. Um, that original script uh, sounded uh, like something I never, ever wanted to watch. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the the fact that like Milo, the 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 uh, the psycho uh, henchman, oh, yeah, played by Taylor Negron, was mm-hmm. a um, was a uh, while he was also a henchman in that movie, he had like a side hustle where he was the director of snuff films. Uh, oh, where they would kidnap his guys would kidnap women and then brutally murder them on camera, and then he would sell the tapes. How long uh, and was that's, that script? Um, a lot longer, 166 pages. So oh, like, Shane. yeah, so like two and a half hours. Whereas this movie isn't even two hours, um, which is actually one of my complaints about it. But we'll get we'll get there. Sure, um, yeah. But yeah, no, that original script. Uh, yeah, so that was the thing. And then um, Negron, uh, Negron's character Milo, Milo uh, kidnaps Sarah, uh, Joe's wife instead of his daughter and uses Sarah oh, and in one of the, the die snuff hard, films. The diehard stuff comes up. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what well, that was the first major change that Bruce demanded because he was like, I just did this in Die Hard. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Uh, and so they changed it to the daughter because saving your daughter is just so much different than saving your wife. Um, 
Sure. Positively, like brand new. We've never ever seen that before. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we changed that to the daughter instead of the thing. And then they were like, well, we don't want to put the daughter in a snuff film. So they cut the snuff film thing all together. And then yada, yada, yada. We end up with this movie after uh, a lot of butting heads, et cetera. Et yeah. Cetera. And the daughter uh, getting taken by Milo is such like an afterthought when it happens in act three. It's such like an empty stakes raising yeah. of like well, and it doesn't w- even i don't even know when it happened uh like i was <laughs> i was like what wait what well, she was the, safe well, just the, a second ago there's a there's a tr- the weird the weirdest thing is they're driving towards the next level the next objective uh uh damon yeah. waynes and, and they're like oh, oh man when we get here, we're gonna pump full of lead it's gonna be great it's gonna be great and then they get a call and it's like hello mr mr mcnally you have your daughter I'm like where did you think she was you you yeah. weren't you weren't like talking about how she wasn't in the car with you. Yeah. Well, they left her behind with that guy, the guy whose car he stole. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But but like I don't I don't know how she got from there to Milo's possession. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Although his daughter, uh Darian, uh mm-hmm. is played by Daniel Har- Danielle Harris who uh is uh, most known well known for um being uh in halloween four and five the star of halloween four and five um oh michael myers uh niece i think if i'm not mistaken she has like psychic powers or something like that and to uh to us hashtag 90s kids uh she is the voice of debbie in the wild thornberries oh yeah um so anyway this movie uh <laughs> sure you know I, I i i i really do like what you said about uh shane black i mean about about the earnest and the cynicism kind of going hand in hand because i think that is so much of shane black's filmography uh it or, you know where he, he the characters in shane black's movies do expect justice they do expect good things to happen to them for doing good things but they are always being cheated out of that and they are always find themselves disappointed in the world that they're living in. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I just find that a really interesting through line in all of his work that he seems committed to this like pulp noir aesthetic and just how many yeah. different and interesting ways he can remix that. Yeah. There was a lot of times in this movie where uh, things would happen. I was just like, Oh, that's kind of like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And then I would just be like, I really wish I was watching kiss, kiss, bang, bang right now. Yeah. You know, or, or even, you know, the character of Darian is, uh, is such a precursor to, to Holly and the nice guys. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I, I think that in a lot of ways, Shane Black was always meant to be directing his own films. Because I I think that only he understands he, the tone of his scripts perfectly, mm-hmm. and it's an easy, you know? it's an e- and it's a difficult, it's a difficult tone to get right. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I really think that before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the only other film that was that like nailed his script was probably Lethal Weapon. The first one. Um, right. That's like the only other one that if you had told me that uh, that he directed it, that Shane Black directed Lethal Weapon, I would have I would believe it because it does it does feel like his other films. Yeah. Where um, where where the 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 sweetness just overtakes the nastiness. Yes, exactly. Whereas uh, this movie, Last Boy Scout or Last Action Hero or uh, <laughs> Long Kiss Goodnight, is that the one or is it yeah, Last the one Kiss G- Goodnight? The, 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 the Long Kiss. It is Long Kiss Goodnight. Gina Davis, um, Samuel L. Yeah, which of those three, I think, I think. Um, well, I mean, it's it's hard for me not to say that Last Action Hero is not my favorite. Because uh, <laughs> it's but, just so nuts and so fun. Yeah, it's. It's absolutely nuts. But I will say uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. If you've never seen Long Kiss Goodnight, that is a great movie. Um, it's it's a really, really great movie. Yeah. But uh, great, great Samuel L. Jackson performance. Oh, yeah. Great Gina Davis performance. Great Gina Davis performance. It's it's it, If it wasn't for uh, League of Their Own, it would be my favorite uh, Gina Davis movie. Mm. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, anyway. anyway I, Gina um, Davis. We can go this, on with Gina Davis. Yeah, but so so uh, the first thing that um, 
the very first thing that doesn't work in this movie is mm-hmm. uh Damon Wayans who <laughs> Damon Wayans colon serious actor um it's uh, it's a struggle I think for him uh and there's one point in this movie where his character falls off an overpass stands up and then faints and I was like oh there's Damon Wayans like that was the only time in the movie where I was like, Oh look, it's Damon. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it it was, it was kind of in that time where you, you for some reason, like, yeah, you, you kind of see certain talent not translating to the big screen the way they do in television or like Mm -hmm. that vocabulary was so different. Like you would see, be like, Oh, I know we'll just make him be this guy in a Bruce Willis movie and it'll be great. Yeah. It was just that like, this isn't a Damon Wayans character. You know, yeah, it's like, not playing to his strengths as a performer. No, not at all. I I think Damon Wayans would, w- if he was cast correctly in a uh in a Shane Black film, he would knock it out of the freaking park. His son is in uh, the Predator. Um, oh, that's exciting. The, yeah, the new the new uh, Shane Black movie. Damon yeah. Wayans Jr. is in the that, one. The one they're committed movie. to people not wanting to see. Yeah, apparently. Um, man, I just. That is, you know, I, can I just, can I just, uh, <laughs> can I confess something? Sure, um, sure thing. I, I, I really hate the Predator. I've always hated the Predator. It's a sucky franchise and I don't understand why anyone likes it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great, gr- it's a great fun first movie. Uh, and then, a, and then a lot of, a lot of jib jab. Yeah. Yeah. But even the first movie, like if any enjoyment I get out of the first movie is like wholly ironic, like just sweaty, muscly dudes getting real close to each other. It just and Shane feels Black. so, yeah, and Shane Flagg. It just feels so aware, self-aware that I, yeah, I, I like those aspects of it. But it's the fact that like, it's kind of like Fight Club and that like it boggles my mind that people don't understand what this movie is. It's like right. guys, the the predator is a, it's it, it it's a parody. Like it's a parody of like eighties action movies. Like there's a point where like you know that gif of like the the high five or whatever and yeah the, the flex and biceps yeah, um and I'm like come on like it's a joke like the movie's a joke but everyone treats it like oh man it's so badass you know uh, what's really interesting like is Club. you know the last Boy Scout seems like a movie that is starting to point at and notice what predator was so earnestly embodying just like you know five years ago mm-hmm. it it, it kind of feels like what's what's going on right now with like where we at where we at <laughs> where we're at with disney uh mm-hmm. i don't know like you, you see like every disney movie now it, and it seems like it's reaching its apex with with wreck it ralph 2 is committed to kind of like picking apart its own legacy and its own tropes Mm-hmm. And like, is that just like where we go with, with, with genres when we reach a saturation point? You know, are we going to, are we starting to do that now with superhero movies with things like Deadpool and Teen Titans go? I, 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 I truly believe that's where film always goes right before it reinvents itself. Which is exciting. Um, yeah. I, I, I think we are um, within the next uh, five years, we're going to start seeing a resurgence of original films again. I really do. Um, yeah. You know, the older, the older we get, the really, the, we do start to really see the curvature. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And also, uh, not for nothing. I'll, I'll call this ball in the air. Everyone is really terrified about this Fox Disney merger. I think it's going to end up being the best thing for films because I think what's going to happen is that Disney who doesn't have an adult film arm, that they can have, uh, they're going to use the Fox brand for that arm so that they can make R-rated films and they're going to channel all of their original content into that arm so that it doesn't tarnish the Disney brand because- That brand integrity. Right. While you and I know that Disney owns Fox, most people don't. And they're going to want to use that to their advantage. And I think as a result, we're going to start seeing more original films, more chances being taken over at Disney because they're going to be able to use the Fox brand as a crutch, which is what they need because that's the only way to please their stockholders. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. I mean, yeah. I mean, like we, I, 
you you do start to see how things that you know nothing dies in this it just kind of like re it it, it manifests or it doesn't manifest you know like like right mm-hmm. now like like two three years ago it seems like romantic comedies were gone but now they're kind of manifesting in a small way and we'll see how it how, right. how much bigger it gets but you know and it's kind of the same way with last boy scout where it was coming off of a period where action movies were more in the zeitgeist than i think they ever had been mm-hmm. and and kind of part of the culture in a way they hadn't been before it boggles my mind to think that just three years after the release of this movie, probably less than three years, Bad Boys was released. Yeah, yeah. This is pre-Bad Boys. But it's only like three years before Bad Boys. Yeah, and, and Bad Boys seem Bad Boys is saying so much less about itself than this movie does. Y- right. Well, and and isn't Bad Boys Bad Boys is more of like a quintessentially nineties thing. This Really feels like the sort of death nail of the of the eighties. This movie, yeah, it feels like the last like Guns and Roses cry yeah. of the last action hero, if yeah, you will. If, the, um, if you will, <laughs> you know, it does kind of it, it. It is you know, looking at that as looking at these two movies as companions. You know, Bruce being in this movie, the last Boy Scout, he kind of represents sort of this uh, Dashiell Hammett you know, noir down and out Sam Spade character that Shane Black is is endlessly enamored with. And mm-hmm. and then on the other end you get the other kind of action hero, which is the last action hero, which is like Jack Slater, which is like a big, burly, inhuman tank that represents <laughs> like, you know, not expecting authority. You know, it it it's like they're kind mm-hmm. of the two kinds of action heroes that existed back then. Where you're either yeah. a Jack Slater or a Hallenbeck. Totally. I, uh, yeah, so talking about Damon Wayans being um, miscast as Jimmy sure. Dix, I actually also believe that Bruce Willis was miscast as Joe Hallenbeck. I think that my issue with the two of them in this movie, um, my, pro- my biggest problem with Bruce Willis is I think this movie ruined Bruce Willis forever because <laughs> I think after this movie, this is the only character that Bruce Willis has ever played since. Um, yeah. With very few exceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the only character he ever plays. He's always Joe Hallenbeck in everything ever since. Divorced. Yep. Divorced. Angry. Cynical. Hates hip hop. Yeah. And, and very little, um, very little emotion in anything that he says ever. Yeah, I mean, you like, even look at John McClane, and he he he's so John McClane is so like expressive in that first Die Hard movie, and so you know, like he's afraid, he's freaked out, yeah. he's joyful sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. yeah. Uh, you know, know. Uh, what, what you know, thinking about in the opening scenes of this movie, you know, we see Howland Beck, and he's like literally sleep. He's sleeping in a car that's like mounted a curb, kind of like he he, he was drunk driving. And these like three kids, like oh let's let's mess let's fuck with them, and like they throw like a dead squirrel on him. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> just it's just the I you know that's like that's sort of the epitome of this movie. It's just like <laughs> who would do that? like like these random street street tough kids see this guy drunk and asleep in his car, and the windows open, and their thought is let's throw a dead squirrel on him. Um, <laughs> And then steal his watch. That's that's this movie to a T. <laughs> that's the first thing that happens in this movie. No, after no, after, well, after no, a no. football first, player. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Pepper cheese. The yeah. first the first thing that happens in this movie is legitimately the craziest opening scene to any movie I've ever seen. So so uh, so the opening is this super like on the nose like parody of like are you ready for some football like opening credits like dancers a big like a country kind of like bob seger guy like that's the cold and then you cut to the football guy right right and the 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 thing that it opens with um one of the guys on the on the football team in the middle of a game it's halftime he gets a phone call from from someone who will learn later is milo the psychopath um and he basically says, like, you need to you need to win this game no matter what, or we're gonna kill you. We've got snipers on you or whatever. Uh and so he he drops some acid um and and then goes out on the field 
And as the play begins, he pulls out a gun and just starts shooting the other team members in the kneecaps to get through them and then scores the touchdown and then blows his brains out. Um, And and saying, uh, ain't ain't life a bitch, which originally the line was supposed to be, uh, I'm going to Disneyland and then shoots himself in the head. Which is real, like, real on the nose. Well. I like it, but it, yeah, I mean. I, I, I think I think what he says in the movie is way more on the nose. And I think yeah. that I'm going to Disneyland, while it is uh, a, an on the nose reference to, like, what the football players say when they win the Super Bowl or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's also, it feels like something that someone would say who was on acid. Yeah. You know what it is? It's like it's like uh, I'm going to Disneyland is the line, and then the subtext is "Ain't life a bitch," and they just got rid of the subtext. Yeah, totally. Just have totally. them say "Ain't life a bitch." They're they're not gonna. <laughs> it's such it's so like it, the movie is it, it it's weird how it does kind of go back and forth between being very like provocative and kind of like hey we know we know the people watching this are going to be the type of people who are watching like a Friday night football game. Let's like shake them up yeah. a little bit. But then it 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 falls so short of doing that in other in other areas where it is just like the sum of its parts like an early 90s tony scott joel silver action movie yeah yeah um yeah when did the um uh when did the uh tony scott's penchant for uh directing sequences the way that the paperwork sequence is in hot fuzz when did that happen because it didn't come into play in this movie and i was a little disappointed but i assume it had a lot to do with the the troubled uh post-production that this movie had. yeah you know when i think of like those shots i i i do my do my, my mind kind of mainly goes to like top gun beverly hills cop 2 and days of thunder okay like so, we probably should have went with Beverly Hills Cop two instead. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah, uh, you know, but, but but in its defense, uh, Last Boy Scout is not un- you know it, it's a two hander. It's about two men overcoming uh, their differences to become best friends forever. Uh, That's true. Unlike Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans in real life, who do not become best friends forever. They hated uh, each other. Yeah. Although, ironically, they co-starred in two films together because they were also uh, co-stars in Look Who's Talking 2, in which Damon Wayans played Bruce Willis's best friend. <laughs> well, that's great. They, bo- they, voiced, they voiced best friend babies. God, I guess, uh, they have to, I guess two different casting directors thought, thought they had chemistry. They're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's true. They had a kind of chemistry. That's yeah. for sure. Um, uh, y- yeah. I, okay. So, so the, the, the first thing that I have to say about this movie, okay. So it's a, it's an hour and 45 minutes with credits. So really an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, the, it takes a full 30 minutes for anything to happen. Like I didn't know what this movie was about until literally a uh, minute 36 when we when we reveal that uh, Joe and Jimmy are going to join forces to like figure out why his why Jimmy's girlfriend was shot to death. Oh yeah, Halle, um, Ber- Halle Berry getting killed is kind of the the inciting incident. Yeah, right. And it's thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah. Thirty minutes before into that, an hour and forty minute movie. Yeah, before that, you just get like it, it's thirty minutes of really really hammering home like this is Bruce Willis. He's a piece of shit. He wakes himself but up. But he's every a good morning. detective. Yeah. Uh, everyone, nobody likes you. Everyone hates you. You're going to lose. Smile, you fuck. Uh, right. Definitely something I, that's, that's one, that's a quote I, I still remember. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then, like, you know, you cut to uh, Damon Wayne's and he's just like, a, he's over it. And they, they really take your time in like creating these two dudes' like worlds. Yeah, they do. And I appreciate that. But then the movie. But- the rest of the yeah. movie is so short and just like so truncated. I, I, you know, it's yeah. like a, it, it, it's like a, uh, I, I don't know. It's like a, it's like an hour and 10 minute long movie with a 30 minute prequel attached to the front oh, of it. Oh, oh um, I, I remember what I was going to say. The re- the reason I brought up. So the, the, the scene where the scene where Bruce Willis is in the car and he's like, they throw a dead squirrel on him. 
Oh, um, yeah, right. I kept thinking, and then, you know, when he goes into his office, and his office is a piece of shit, and his friend's, like, calling him for a job, and he's, like, razzing him, the whole time I kept being, like, you know, the, I think a big reason that the nice guys work so well is you believed that Ryan Gosling's character was a fuck-up. Yes. He really, like, like he let that, he let March be, like, a real, like, dingus. Mm-hmm. And you and I think that it, and I think that adhered you to him more. And I think on the page, Joe Hallenbeck is supposed to be kind of like a Holland March t- sort of character, a guy like on his third strike. But it's Bruce Willis. So he's kind of the audience like visually nothing ever tells us that he actually is like a loser. He's like a cool loser. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I, that's why um, that's why I don't like. I don't like his casting in this. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't play for me. Uh, Bruce Willis as this character. Like I, you know, I like the original casting that they had for the movie um, or like what, who, who the character was written for. Uh, it was written for um, uh, Jack Nicholson. That makes oh, a lot more sense wow. to me. Yeah. Jack Jack Nicholson as Joe Hallenbeck makes so much more sense to me. 1991 Jack Nicholson. Right, 2 years after playing the Joker. Yeah, that would have that would have been not him in like another LA kind of noir tale, that would have been nuts. Yeah. Um especially if they had let it be a noir movie instead of an action movie. Yeah, oh yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, cuz then there are some scenes in the bar where where Bruce Willis is like, "Hey, you going to let old an old guy like me beat you up?" And I'm like, "Was he already old?" Like, right. Yeah, he keeps commenting about being old and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, or like hating the rap music and wanting to listen like to Pat Boone or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's not old enough to be playing that. Um it's really, it's really strange. And then like Damon Wayans, I mean, that should have been uh, someone else. Because I mean, the other thing too with the Damon Wayans character is uh, he's supposed to be a little older too. For like, he's um, like, he's like over the hill for an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, granted, they they kicked him out. That's true, of yeah. the NFL, mm-hmm. but but he was still he's supposed to be around long enough to have had a career because. Uh, because uh, Joe Hallenbeck is supposed to have been a fan of his until he finds out that that he gets kicked out for drugs, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it just it just doesn't play. I don't know. Like it it feels like it should have been somebody like um, I don't know, like Woody Harrelson or uh, uh, how old how old was Lawrence Patrick Fishburne? Patrick Swayze or. Oh yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. That would have been good. How old yeah. was he by ninety one? He was already like in his thirties, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, or um, he was the dad in Boys in the Hood, and that was like right around. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what's uh, what's uh, uh, Blade? Blade? What is? Oh, his Wesley name? Snipes. Wow. Yeah, Wesley Snipes would have been good. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get what you. And it's and it's yeah. It's just, it's just little little things like that. Kind of. I don't. Yeah. The movie could have landed hard. It's, like it's like the movie miscast its characters and then didn't bother rewriting the movie to fit them. Right, yeah, cuz like like we said like there is a way that Damon Wayne's in a bra- in a Shane Black reading a Shane Black script like sings, you know. But right. it's like yeah, this character isn't really Yeah, yeah, just like playing to It's interesting how that happens. Mhm. Mhm. Um so anyway, but yeah, no, uh, but I, I, but things that we do, like I, I mean, I'm a sucker for for Shane Black screenplays, and I just I, so all of his movies to me as growing up uh, was so filled with language and dialogue, and just you know, it, it kind of feels like a movie movie where every every hood and every henchman has like a, a, a thing to say or a quirk, and it right. just makes you know, like a, you know, any Shane Black movie. Even like a even like a standard one is more fun than to me like a lot of other genre movies just because he fills it with a kind of heart and personality that is missing a lot in movies mm-hmm. especially around this era and and yeah and like I I, I the movie definitely had I, I can't remember when the last time I saw it but definitely is not aging well in some respects and it is good to see his subsequent works kind of uh, evolve past this. 
Obviously, he's mm-hmm. not the director. Obviously, this was uh, a studio picture through and through. Uh, with and Long. and Long Kiss Goodnight aside, Shane Black's never been great at writing women. Uh, For I sure. Mean, yeah. He's kinda, always had a little bit of trouble with that, I think. Well, yeah, and it kind of is, um, you know, in, 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 in the same way that a lot of his uh, inspiration uh, you know, whether it's like noir, you know, not not knocking any 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 authors of crime fiction or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a genre that's known for, you know, it, I mean, it's definitely a genre that's known for playing to tropes, which is what a lot of Shane Black movies do when it comes to female characters, even ones that I really, really like, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Nice Guys. Yeah, there is a moment that at the end of this movie that is is supposed to be played as a sweet moment of forgiveness uh, where Bruce Willis's character, where where his wife begs for forgiveness for um, cheating on him at the beginning of the movie with his best friend uh, and his best friend and partner, who's like, I don't know, like this big chunky Italian guy, and um, and blows up. So we already kind of got the audience sort of already, I don't know, like got catharsis for that. And no one gives a shit, not even her when it happens. It's so fucking weird. Um, And anyway, so, so she's like begging for his forgiveness and he's, his response after a long bit is fuck you, Sarah. And then they, she smiles and they hug and he says, fuck you, Sarah. If the police weren't here, I'd spit in your face. And it's played as like a big romantic moment. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, like, I'm just on, yeah, baffled. it is the dissonance of what you're hearing and what you're seeing is is startling. Yeah. Like, and then, uh, and then there's this. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. And then there's a bit at the end. No wonder your daughter has such a foul mouth that this is how you talk to each other. Darian. Um, yeah. Uh, Darian. Uh, I, uh, she's like a proto, Darian's like a proto hit girl. Um, yeah, no, the, the, uh, the glee again, like it's kind of in a, in a, in a Michael Bay way where it's like, oh, he thinks this is cute. Right. Well, he's, he's doing that thing that I, I think that he likes to do, especially with kids where he's like, you can tell that he both. Like part part of him really likes kids, but then the other the other part of him is like also aware of how like shitty kids are, <laughs> um, and so it seems like whenever he puts a kid in one of his movies, he always goes out of his way to make them interesting while also having all the adults call them a piece of shit. I mean, look at Iron Man three. Yeah, like that kid in Iron Man three is great, but all he does is write Robert Downey Jr calling him a piece of shit like the whole the whole time he's like man you're stupid dumb kid all right bye your father left you because you're dumb Um, yeah like yeah or the daughter and the nice guys who's like you know smarter and more capable than the dad but then it's like get sent home from the party right right right. uh but but yeah so there there's um the bit at the end too where uh this is probably like the the part where i just started laughing with them because i was like this movie's insane it is it's it's psychotic like this movie is psychotic uh and it's the bit where there's this whole exchange with a briefcase yes one that has uh, explosives in it and another one that has cash in it and they think that they've gotten the explosives one and the guy ran off with the cash. But in fact, he ended up running off with the explosives and you, they, they realize they open the briefcase and it's full of money. And they're like, oh, he got the wrong briefcase. And then you cut to him at getting home at his mansion and he's got the briefcase and he's like, ah, and he goes to open it and it blows up. And they can see in the distance of the Hollywood Hills, this gigantic explosion of his mansion blowing up. And then they all just start cackling like maniacs. Like it's the funniest like thing that's ever happened. Like an inside joke just happened. Yeah. Right. And like. Burp, 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 and cut to like, yeah, the credits. Oh uh, my God. It's insane. It's and, insane. And it's like, yeah, it's like psychotic. A, a human person just died. And his dog, by the way. Yeah. Every, yeah, because yeah. he comes home and is like, oh, hi, dog. Like, well, oh, great. And the dog's happy to see him. And then he goes over to open the briefcase and his shit blows up. Um, yeah. It, you know, there's this scene 
There's this episode of The West Wing where, uh, in like it's early, early, it might be even be like season one, where President Bartlett is like is proposing legislature, I think, that would monitor the amount of violence in Hollywood movies. And he and he has some, and he has this thing about like, oh, you go to the movies and you just see people like blowing up and it's crazy. And why don't you read Moby Dick more? And I always I think of that episode a lot when I watch movies like this or like Bad Boys. I'm like, oh, wow, it really actually did kind of like I can see why <laughs> older people were like, wait, what? What? Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was Mr. Rogers thing, too. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, yeah, he talked about that a lot. Where it's, you know, uh, we're showing kids that, you know, people getting killed is something to be, like, light and blasé and funny about, which is, you know, it, it, it it's fine. I mean, like, I like Deadpool. <laughs> I like Rick and Morty. But, yeah, it is a little weird watching this and being like, well, what is the movie telling us right now? Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, there's a, there's a scene in this where, uh, Bruce Willis is getting tortured by this guy and, uh, he tells him if he touches him one more time, he's going to kill him. And so the guy punches him again and Bruce Willis sta- stands up and hits him in the nose with an uppercut and kills him by stabbing his like cartilage, cartilage into his brain. Yeah. Like by like with the with the uppercut punch to the nose. Like yeah. just instantly kills the guy. And then of course Bruce Willis is like un un un-bothered. unfettered. Yeah. Just like I told you. Whatever. Yeah, I told you. And then he picks up the lighter and lights a cigarette and sits yeah. down. And then all the all the divorced white guys in the audience were like, That's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm like that. Oh God. Oh man. Um yeah. I can't say <laughs> I can't say that I cared for this very much. Um I, I you know, probably to the surprise of no one. Um least of all you. <laughs> no, I mean I honestly, you know, cuz like there's so uh there there are so many fun little uh Shane Black moments and fun little Tony Scott moments and I I do think this is a a fun last call for this era of action movies. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, but I definitely do think there, it it, it is, I'm not one of the people to think it's like one of the standouts of that era. Right. I think think there's better Tony Scott movies. I think there's better Shane Black scripts. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. There's, there's not a lot in this that I liked uh, to be honest. I, but I will say, um, the Tony Scott connection, uh, I, I noticed something watching this. And, and tell me if, if uh, this makes sense to you. Um, Edgar Wright is to Sam Raimi as Michael Bay is to Tony Scott. Yeah, I think I kind of, I think I kind of, I, I, I definitely, I don't know how to communicate it, but I definitely feel <laughs> what you're throwing down, just kind of that, that lineage yeah, and, and kind of, but also where the the younger, the younger art talent kind of gets crazy, go like gets weird with it. Yeah, because you right. can definitely imagine, you know, some, you know, Michael Bay sitting in the audience of this movie and being like, "Okay, done." Yeah. <laughs> what if what if bodies are falling out of what if cadavers are falling out of a truck and like hitting another car and they're like, gross, he used to be a person. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like Bad Boys 2 thinks it's making a Shane Black movie. Yes. And and I think what 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 elevates this movie uh, is I, I think the Shane, I think Shane Black brings a wit and a intelligence to it that. It, you know, it, that, it kind of, it that kind of all ma- of the filmmakers and actors erased uh, over the process <laughs> of making the movie. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> remember, the, remember the part where he's just saying, Bruce Willis is just making uh, like your ex-wife is so your wife so fat jokes to a guy and then murders him while he's laughing. And he loves it. Like the yeah. guy loves it. He's like, oh man, these are great. I hate women too. This I is am. awesome. They're so fat. <laughs> I hate fat women. Oh my God! This movie, <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
Uh, this is this is uh, this might be the first appearance of uh, uh, the 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 evil Bruce Willis. Oh yeah, the 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 one where he crosses over. Yeah, like this is the first appearance, and then every once in a while we get good Bruce Willis again. He'll come out for a movie every like three years. The Jackal is definitely evil, Bruce Willis. Mm. <laughs> Isn't he a serial killer in that movie? Yeah, I think he's like the villain in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like every once in a while we'll get like good Bruce Willis show up for a movie or like or two every once in a while. Like um, Death Becomes Her or uh, Moonrise Sixth Kingdom. Sense. Moonrise Kingdom, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. Looper, of course. Looper, of course. Yep. Definitely. Probably the last one. Uh, is that true? Is that the last one? No, because Moonrise Kingdom came out after Looper. Oh, okay. And obviously, it looks it looks like Glass. He's going to show up for. Yeah, I'm really excited about Glass. Um, yeah, me too. I like Bruce. I'm always going to like Bruce. Uh, nothing, nothing beats good Bruce Willis. Oh yeah, good Bruce but, Willis is. Oh, but literally everything beats bad Bruce Willis. It's like good Stallone. Like it's like when Stallone's good, you're like, God, you're. Oh, I love you so much. Yeah. Freaking Creed. Yeah. Copland. Yeah. yeah. I haven't I haven't seen Copland. I need oh, to. Oh man. Uh director of Logan. Yeah. 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 That could Jeez, be Hey, hey, that I mean that has as much to do with Hot Fuzz. Oh, I I I did at one point make a, I was like, "Oh, this kind of connects." But uh, you know, it's about two individuals taking on a organ an organization that has its claws very deep in the 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 city that they're in mm-hmm and doing it just because it's the right thing to do yes yeah that's true that is true um i Us. hate the title uh as as much as like it's a cool title don't get me wrong but like it is not remotely indicative of this movie like when 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 Dean Williams calls him like, oh, how does it feel to have uh, have a, a have uh, the last Boy Scout in America as your father? And it's just like, this what? Guy? Like just because he doesn't want you to do drugs, that makes him the last Boy Scout. This guy, <laughs> this he's is, a dick. He's a dick. He's a murderer. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like. Like that could be a funny idea if they had gotten like. Patrick Swayze or someone as someone who is in this world but is steadfastly committed to like at like ethics and doing the right thing and being nice. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's the Superman movie I wanted to see with Man of Steel. Oh, uh, like him him trying to make sense of like a Snyderverse world. Exactly. That's what you want out of that. But yeah. you the but you know, you're not gonna you don't get that. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I just realized, let me ask you this. Call me crazy, but like, would Bruce Willis have been a really good Batman? Oh man. I think so. Right. Yeah. When he's like, like, like 88 era when he's like, yeah. Cause he never, he's never like ripped. He's always just right. like in shape the way you like want. If Bat- he had been, if he had been Batman in Batman 89. Yeah. You want to get nuts? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god wow oh man because we see in death becomes her that he knows how to like be uptight like the way that yeah. you want you want bruce wayne to kind of like be pretend uptight yeah well and he would i i would buy him more as a as a billionaire playboy than i ever did michael keaton <laughs> yeah. like don't get me wrong i love michael keaton in those movies and i wouldn't change a thing about them um well I would give Tim Burton more creative control over Batman 89, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I, I love those movies pretty much as is, mm-hmm. uh, but I would like to visit the alternate universe where Bruce Willis was Batman. You know, the thing about Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne is it always seemed like I'm even as a kid, like, Oh, this is someone who's not supposed to be a billionaire. Right. <laughs> it kind of was like, right. Oh, look how uncomfortable he is. Like right. with Vicky Vale right now. And only now right. am I like, oh, I don't know how much of that was, was intentional and how much was just like that Michael Keaton energy seeping out. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of weird choices in that first Batman movie. Um, like, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the, the reporter who's just oh, like Knox? the, yeah, Knox, just like the most like Jewish eighties comedian. Yeah. Like a guy, uh, guy from Arliss. just like randomly in that movie. 
King of the Wicker People. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, watch that. I love that guy. I love that. It's it's. I'm so happy that it's in that movie, but it is absurd that it's yeah. there. <laughs> it's King uh, of the Wicker People. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch Batman next. Oh man, God, it's great. Um. Anyway, shout out to Batman at eighty nine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, so last, they 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 wrestle a lot with whether or not Knox should be in that movie. <laughs> it's it, it's a reoccurring. I love. Yeah, I think it's great. I I, I think it. I no, think it, it is. I think it timestamps the movie in a really fun way. Yeah, in a very confusing way because the movie looks like it's the forties, but yeah, but also he's there. I don't know. It's fun. Um, anyway, last boy scout, uh, I, I can't really recommend it. Um, if you watched it and you didn't like it, um, I'm sorry you watched it for us. Oh yeah, definitely. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are joining us on this endeavor. Um, and, uh, I appreciate, especially if you're a woman, I, I imagine you watch this through gritted teeth. Um, and, uh. I uh, I didn't have anything to do with the making of this movie, but I did have something to do with making you watch it. And I'm sorry because, yeah, this movie hates women more than <laughs> a lot of movies I've ever seen. We're not um, saying we're not we're, we're not saying Shane Black does. We're not saying Tony Scott is, did. We're just saying this. Just like we're saying Bad Boys 2 as a movie is a bad person. Yeah. Uh, without saying it about anyone making it. I think if this if, this movie is a misogynist. Yes, this movie is a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny that when Steven Spielberg and George Lucas go through a divorce, they make Temple of Doom. But when Shane Black goes through one, he makes this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Oh, that would be a fun podcast, like breakup movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So the, the Shaun of the Dead connection um, is oh, the fact me, yeah, that... Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the fact that uh, that Joe has a penchant for calling Jimmy Flash. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so yeah. he's always yeah he's always calling him Flash. He's like, "What's up, Flash? You know, where are you going, Flash?" Uh, that's fine. I, I would so love now to... I I I wonder if that's what that was in reference yeah. to. If that's a last Boy Scout reference in Shot of the Dead. That's or not. Uh, that'll be our go to Q and A question if we're ever at a Q and A. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I'll have better ones than that. Hey, uh, uh, I know what my Q and A question would be uh, because I want to know for the new for the next season of the podcast because I can't find the information anywhere. Oh, cool. Um, and it and it is. Uh, uh, we know that because he's mentioned it before that Edgar Wright likes to uh, shoot the heart, the most difficult thing first in any shoot. Which is why they started Shaun of the Dead with the shot to the 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 oneer to the grocery store, and why the baby driver shoot starts with the oneer to the uh, to the coffee shop. That's what they started with. I want to know what the first first uh, shoot day of uh, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, and Scott Pilgrim are. Do you have any guesses? No idea. No idea. Especially Hot Fuzz. I don't know. Because there's not like, I don't remember, there's not like a memorable one that I can think of mm-hmm. in Hot Fuzz. And as far as like complex things, I'm not oh, sure. What if unless it, they, what unless they the started fair? with the shootout. Oh, the fair? Maybe. Mitch, all those extras, get them out of the way. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's also one of the most uh, memorable visual effects is in that sequence. Yeah, very true. So maybe they did that did that early to get it started early because they couldn't afford, you know, a full-time studio right. working on that special effect. Yeah, so it's like work on this as we're making the rest of the movie. Yeah, in your spare time, like an hour a day, like whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't I don't know. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what that The Omen was also is. in the running at some point for this podcast. That's true. Um, I chickened out because I realized I think the only reference to the omen is uh, that moment. The, yeah, that moment and the the actress, right? The actress that oh um, yes, that yeah. plays the innkeeper. Uh, I think because she's from the omen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And so that was my thought process. But then, like as I was looking into 
Hot Fuzz references. It wasn't really coming up a lot except for like the music cue. And I was like, well, that's not enough. Yeah. So um, we ended up uh, switching. But uh, yeah, so Last Boy Scout. And now uh, next month, something completely different. We're going to do The Wicker Man. And uh, just for those of you who are asking, which is every single person, when I say that we're covering The Wicker Man, their very next question is, which one? <laughs> we are covering the original Wicker Man from 73, not yes. the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. Unquestionably. Um, now unquestionably. Now look, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that I wasn't there opening night of Neil LeBute's Wicker Man. Oh, that is who drew. Oh, God. Yeah. Talk, oh, you want to talk God. about? You want to talk about some people writers who hate women? Uh, oh no. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Uh, and I, but yeah, but I, I love that Wicker Man a lot. Uh, Did I tell you that Neil Labute came to uh, talk at my school? He was a graduate no. of my my university. And no he, kidding. Uh, Small world. Yeah, right around uh, the release of Death at a Funeral, the, his remake. God, his um, film career is weird. Yeah, he came and uh, he came and talked to talked to my talked to my school. What was his vibe? Uh, very like. Look, here's the thing. I don't. Yeah, very much that kind of vibe for sure. Um, and not really understanding why he's there because it's not a film school. <laughs> uh, but he was there because I guess he shot his first film with Aaron Eckhart. In Fort Wayne? Yeah. Well, I consider him most – I think of him mostly as a playwright. But maybe right. that's just because – I mean, I, I went to theater school. I had to read a lot of his stuff. Right. Uh, I got to well, I one. think he was like um, – he was sort of like – this is a terrible comparison because one of these people is much more talented than the other. But uh, he's he's very much like the, uh, the Imbruge writer where – Right. He yeah, would his... he, he would make a movie and then go and make a play and then come back and make another movie. Sure, yeah. He so would he would so he would he would take five or five year breaks from one while working on the other. Right, right. Um so I don't know. But anyway, he's a bad person. Uh uh and a little <laughs> little uh little fun little fun gift for the listeners. Uh we have the two of us have been compared uh in in the in the appearance department. Uh I I I I I I did a Neil B play in college, and then I looked up what he looked like. Oh my god, he looks just like me. Oh no. Yeah. Is that true? I, I think never... so. I, I think it kind of looks like me. Oh. I don't know. Maybe it's the I hair. gotta look this up. You're gonna get my you're gonna get my uh my live uh opinion of this. Oh no. I don't think so. Okay, okay. I don't think so. I mean, he's got glasses, curly hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he's aggressively white. A great big white. bushy beard. That's yeah, true. he 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 is aggressively white. Um, and he also has a uh, a face. He, yeah, I don't know. He looks like more of like a. I he looks he looks more like a like a like a. I don't know. He looks more like. If you combined, I don't know. Uh, what was Ross's dad's name? Oh um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That, oh yeah, kind of like an Elliot Gould. Yeah, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould meets George Lucas. That's what he looks like. Yeah, he doesn't look like you. If I had a bit more North African in me, maybe. <laughs> maybe is that what he is? No, I don't know. I'm just talking now. Oh. But okay. I have that in me, and I'm like, well, maybe there was more of that in me. It would increase my. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, like as if this is like the Sims where you can just like push it like a. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But, but yeah, so oh. we are definitely talking about the OG Wicker Man. Uh, mm -hmm. Which have you ever seen? Have you not seen that? Nope. So that'll okay. be four for four that I've never seen. That's great. Yeah. That's good. Why else would we be doing this? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, 1973's. Uh, the Wicker Man, directed by Robin Hardy, starring Edward Woodward and uh, Christopher Lee. So uh, that's what we're gonna be. That's what we're gonna be covering next time. So um, Edward Woodward, of course, being uh, an actor in Hot Fuzz, mm -hmm. head of the uh, leader of the uh, <laughs> the uh, what what is the what the is the abbreviation? Oh, 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 the NWA. Yeah, the NWA. <laughs> yeah, the NWA. <laughs> 
Oh boy, that would have yeah. been a fun if we had had more time. It would, like go into each like NWA member and find like their best movie, like Raiders or. Yeah, I mean, we would have had to take like a two-year break <laughs> to do yeah, that. I think. Yeah. Um, or recorded like way more of these, and once a month is enough for me when I'm in the middle of another show. I think. Oh yeah, no, why not? How is Spider-Man going, <laughs> by the way? It's good. Uh, it's it is good. It is good. I mean, we're done recording, but I'm still editing it all. Oh, for know? sure. No. Yeah. Hustler never sleeps. But, uh, <laughs> truth. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, we'll be back in September, probably mid-September, with uh, the Wicker Man. Bye, everybody. Always be prepared. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs>